My name is Rachel White, and people call me the Skeptical Shaman. They say it like it's a contradiction, but it's not. For more than a decade, I've been researching and building tools for the spiritually homeless. You know, the curious but critical thinking people that, like me, have had a tough time navigating a landscape of gurus and grifters and crystal heavy people, searching for a way to fill what Neil Gaiman called that God-shaped hole, all while, of course, not getting taken. As the host of the Skeptical Shaman podcast, I want to help us all develop a map of this confusing terrain. I'm going to talk to everybody, the curious, the skeptical, the cynical, and yes, even the true believers. Together, we can safely explore the world of Wu and get closer to some meaningful existential truths. This is The Skeptical Shaman. And now, a word from our sponsors. Are you feeling stuck, frustrated, or disconnected in the humdrum of everyday life? Wondering where all the magic went? Is there an ancient Sumerian demon whispering Zul from inside your refrigerator, leaving you with a palpable sense of looming dread every night? Are eldritch terrors acting up and gazing back at you from the void? Well, the totem tarot deck might be right for you. One shuffle of these magical cards can transport you to a realm of unending adventure, providing crucial breadcrumbs as you navigate the strange and inevitable spiritual scavenger hut of life. Purchase the totem tarot deck from Etsy or Amazon, then just unwrap, shuffle, and watch as the high strangeness grows from within your daily life. The Totem Tarot Deck. What's your totem? Disclaimer. The Totem Tarot Deck is connected to an ancient source of otherworldly metaphysical power. If you use the Totem Tarot Deck, you understand that you may experience dimensional drift. Use responsibly. Welcome to another episode of the Skeptical Shaman Podcast. I am so excited. We have a brand new guest today. I had the honor of being on her incredible podcast the first Reiki podcast in the world called Reiki Radio. Yolanda, why don't you let everybody know a little bit about you and who you are and what you do? Yeah, it's so crazy hearing you say that. Um, when anyone reminds me of it being the first Reiki podcast, because now yeah. there are so many. But yeah, so I um, always like to tell people I am in love with energy, period. More so, I'm in love with us like I am so curious about our design our function what we're capable of and Reiki and other systems of energy healing have just taken me down that path of um, experimenting really with who and what we are so that's what I love and that's what I spend my days doing that's fantastic and I didn't know this until right before we hit record and I'm thrilled about this it is your birthday. Yes. You recording this episode <laughs> on your birthday, Aquarius Sun, Aquarius Rising, Pluto just entered Aquarius. We're about to hit yeah. the year of the dragon. I bet you're feeling it. I am. And I'm a dragon too. So I'm like, oh God. Are you really? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Holy shit ski. You're going to have a year for the ages. And no I wonder, know. I remember we were catching up a little bit before this episode and you had shared because you know, I always ask people that are going to come on the podcast, what are you working on? You have any projects? You have any things you're doing? Because you're busy. You have an Oracle deck. You have your podcast. You have your practice, all this stuff. And you actually said, I need a break. Yeah. Like, I think you might have been anticipating how intense the energy and the transformative influences are going to be this year for you. Yeah. And then to that end, you know, you 
published, you, creating a deck, as you and I and a few other people listening know, is the biggest pain in the ass in the world. Mm-hmm. It's not publishing a book. It's not, you know, it's different, right? It's yeah. super involved. And technically, you know, how are you going to print it, cardstock, dimensions and all that shit. And you also do, you know, Reiki trainings. You do one-on-one services, all these things. So for someone who's as busy, driven, high-functioning as you, which now that I understand your dragon really makes sense, by the way, too, why take the time away? Like, what are you picking up on? What are you needing? And have the last three and a half years been as intense for you as they've been for me and everyone else I know? Oh, my God. Yes. The last three and a half years, I felt like my feet weren't on the ground which typically I'm okay with. Like, you know, I'm more spontaneous. I don't like things too rigid. I need room to breathe. But I was totally disconnected and almost like disassociated with my life in some ways. And so I was showing up and doing everything that, you know, I was obligated to do that I was responsible for. And you know, being an entrepreneur and working for yourself, I mean, there's a lot you have to show up for every day. So I was forcing myself to be in the mindset to handle all kinds of things, but I just wasn't present. And it was for so many reasons, right? Um, It was COVID. It was, I lost three friends, um, had passed away back to back. It was just, and I was traveling literally back and forth between California and DC. Like I never traveled more in my life than in that period, which was odd timing, right? Um, But yeah, and so now that my feet are kind of hovering over the ground now, I'm like, I don't want to touch down unless it's going to be fun. I need to have fun. And I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, partially because we have to, to um, take care of our responsibility, handle our business, important to what matters to us. But we get lost a lot in that shuffle. And so, yeah, this year, my intention is I've got to I have to just do things I enjoy, even if it's as simple as just drink coffee and walk around and read a book all day. Like it doesn't have to be I, big. I can't believe you just said all of that. So I'm writing about this on my Substack right now, and I'm going to call it the bends. The bends are a thing you get if you scuba dive deep in the waters and then you come up too fast. Mm-hmm. Sort of like rapid altitude or de-altitude sickness where your body needs time to adjust to different pressures and basically like different gravity, frankly. Yeah. And over the break, I really intentionally took time away. I didn't, usually if I'm taking time off, I'm still staying busy. Right. Busy hands, busy things, making flower essences. Or if I'm not doing anything touching totem or work, I'll find another home for that. Like I'll be like, this is the week I start running a couple miles a day, or this is the week I do this, or da-da. I make it always a project and I didn't do that. And at one point I was on the couch and I looked at my husband. He goes, are you okay? I said, I feel like I'm dying. I feel like I'm dying. And it was like the energetic bends. And I described him what it felt like. And he goes, I th- he smiled. He's like, I think you're relaxed. I'm like, I- it's terrible. I do not recommend it. And I realized when you said you were just your feet above the ground, the way I articulated it, writing about it on Substack was the Wiley Coyote cartoons. Like that's what I saw in that moment where I was like going across the Grand Canyon. And as long as I didn't look down, yep, I just kept kicking my little feet. I was never going to fall. Yeah. Out of the feeling I think of energetically falling like I did, like the vibration and the busyness, it, it was wild. It was almost like I had the wind knocked out of me. 
hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah. the thing is too, I think when you're so tuned into yourself, that's one of the things I don't think people um, realize a lot of times is how much more aware you become of these shifts and knowing exactly how you're feeling and then dealing with the back end of like even trying to process whatever that is that is coming up for us and how we're feeling. But, you know, to the point of all of it, today literally is talking to you was the only thing I put on my calendar. When we're done, it's pouring here in San Diego, right? I'm going to get in the bed. It's pouring here. Read a book. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm like, yeah, that's it. Everyone's like, oh, your birthday, what did I do? I'm like, read a book. <laughs> like that awesome. is all I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other interesting bit about all this is it's not just you and I. So over the break, I was feeling it and I was like, oh, not going to talk to anyone about this. This is weird. Yeah. And several friends of mine who do other like healing modalities, not all of which are energy work, but other things, you know, like body workers and therapists. And yeah. it all sent me very short messages, something to the effect of I've started crying and I can't stop. And I realized, you know, even though I work with people in healing and trauma recovery, whatever it is for them, their modality, that I've been traumatized by the last three and a half years in ways that as healers or people who have space for each other or business owners, women, whatever you want yeah. to say, I haven't been able to address my stuff and I don't know who to talk to. And so I wanted to get your opinion on this as a, you know, a Reiki master. I know you're not one of those people who introduced this yourself. No. But the cocktail party. <laughs> I'm a master. I'm a Jedi master. Excuse me. But, you know, when you do healing work, you you make recommendations for other people. You're a way shower. Can you talk a little bit about sometimes the pressure within the community or now it's an industry, right? To have all the answers and to not show any signs of human weakness or you know if you get sick everyone's like well how'd you get sick don't you have all the magic potions it's yeah. like dude like right. there's pressure there whether you want to admit it or not so what does that look like for you what do you think about that well i think it's one of the most dangerous things first of all i i really truly do because people take on that well there it goes both ways because of course people project on you that you are supposed to be like you know the baby buddha and happy all the time because you're immersed in whatever these practices are. But then on the other end, for people who are showing up and sharing, they put a lot of pressure on themselves of, I'm supposed to feel good and be strong and all these things in order to really be a healer. But also I think it makes people afraid that they're not doing it right or, you know, imposter syndrome sinks in if they're human. You know what I mean? It's really interesting. But Where they've think become a brand and that right. brand is... Yes. Certain characteristics. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. But I always tell people even in that, like you are the brand, but you need to be in your truth and in your authenticity. Right. And so for me, one of the things I learned early on, and it wasn't on purpose, it just happened that way. When I started applying energy healing and meditating and all these things, I fell apart. Like it was like something just smack the shit out of me and now all of a sudden I'm crying and I'm all emotional and all of these ways I had never been and I realized not only was I processing a lot that I needed to process and I was learning things about myself that I hadn't understood but even more than that I had to go through it to really understand it 
So, you know, I think it's important for people in this work. One, don't just try to apply it to everybody else. You have got to apply it to yourself, but also look at the beauty of what you learn about what this work does, because it doesn't just put you into a space of sunshine and rainbows. It is going to stir yeah. some shit up. It, it That's what it does. <laughs> so you have to yeah. go through it to understand it, to truly hold like loving, compassionate, honest space for people and not try to make people feel like they have to be okay. You'll understand like right. the gift of even the parts that are uncomfortable. It's that the element of the human experience is mm-hmm. just as vital as any other spiritual yeah. experiences you might be having. And it's funny when you said, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. I think a lot of practitioners, it's not conscious. It might be subconscious. There's a there's a quick move to sort of make sense of something or, you know, to use one of your words, alchemize it immediately yeah. or integrate it immediately or, right. you know, sort of like make it into a thing and then do an Instagram video about it real yeah. quick. It's like their way of, you know, opening the closet door, turning the light on and making sure there's no boogeyman there. Yeah. And one of the things I wish more people, especially practitioners like like us, not you and I, because, you know, we admit that we're banged up, which is, by the way, the opposite of a red flag. <laughs> if you're listening, someone who's like, yeah, my period's bad this month. I don't know what's going on. That's a trustworthy <laughs> practitioner. Um, but they don't they don't sit with the yuck. Yeah. Sometimes you got to be in it for a while you got to feel it yeah you're not always consciously gonna get the narrative for it immediately because part of the learning is an energetic and somatic learning of just being in it yeah and I think a big part of it is admitting that we don't necessarily have all the tools like this for example just because I take a Reiki class I may learn about energy healing and you know, the different techniques within the system of Reiki, but it doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to know how to deal with what comes up for me when I start practicing Reiki, right? So we also have to have that openness and willingness to say, like, I don't know what to do with this and I don't know what's happening to me. You have to be more curious. You have to keep studying. You have to keep being a student, even if you think you're a teacher or a healer, all the things. But um, that was one of the biggest things for me is because I was raised in a way to suppress emotion and, and, you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps and all of this. So when I started erupting, not only was it uncomfortable and vulnerable and all of the, I literally didn't know what to do with it. And so even that was something that ended up being one of the greatest lessons in having yeah. more compassion again for what we all go through as humans when things don't feel okay and really being able to recognize when someone is self-protecting but understanding what that's doing to them beneath the surface even if they're not aware of it so yeah there's so much gift in letting it be a true process of whatever your healing looks like it's funny because um when was it last year I time's weird for me right now I don't know why it's just particularly weird yeah. I went off of a birth control pills and I'd been on them since long before I was sexually active just because, you know, in my family, it's a whole thing. Like it's rough. And I was able to function a lot better and get a lot more done. And as I came off of it, I remember I wasn't even worried about physically being in pain or anything. Like I had no compassion for me as a human. 
what I knew and what scared me was, and I said this to my husband, I go, my productivity is going to go way down now. Uh-huh. And like just an awareness yeah. of I had hit the snooze button on this for a long time, got a lot of shit done. I didn't have vacillations in my energy levels. Like right. month to month, I could just kind of push. And now that was going to leave me. And there are truly two days out of every month now where I'm not in agony and I'm not sick, but I cannot produce right way I'm used to yeah and there's a part of me that goes you know maybe I go back on the bill and you can hear it (laughs) it's not for a health reason right right it's so I can be a better producer consumer in this exploitative system and it's like yeah no remember we're gonna do it different now and it's scary and it's weird and I I think sometimes too people don't want to let that simmer or say I don't have every answer or whatever because they know they're going to lose a step. And even in this new age community where everybody's like, quote, disconnected from the matrix and everything else, I see more matrix behavior than yeah. in corporate America. Everybody's yeah. trying to get ahead. And well, How many times a day do you hear scale on social media? Right. We should make it a drinking game. I'd be wasted by 9 a.m. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say because I remember a few years ago, I don't know how long it's been now, but there was this big push in popularity, a lot of discussion around the divine feminine. And it really was off-putting to me, one, because I don't know, maybe it was the delivery. I just wasn't interested in it. I, it just wasn't my thing. But now- By the way, no one can see this, but you are your background is beautiful images of Egyptian goddesses and Egyptian cats. It, it is yeah. the divine feminine. Actually. Yes, and it's it, no, 100%, that. right? But then- um, 47 today and talking about like cramps and this I'm going through like the whole perimenopause thing so I've had days literally where it feels like my soul has been sucked out and I'm like why am I so tired because <laughs> I'm such a worker too you know and it is yeah. like kind of riding this wave of just the shifts and changes that happen with us but it has forced me to look at like what does that really mean though Like, what is this real essence of the feminine? But from that lens of literally what we go through physically and hormonally and just like every level of womanhood and the phases and stages and just what that brings about, right? Um, Yeah, so I've been exploring that in different ways. Uh, Very, very curious about it and how we can be okay with all of these shifts and changes that we go through because, you know, we don't have any control on, or we can take some pills, but you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. In general, like, we don't really have control over it. Although I will say, shout out to tinctures, because that's literally what has helped me stay balanced in all of this. This teapot is filled with just basically dried barks and leaves of plants. I wrote about it because I started drinking it to help with my adrenal issues. I realized a lot of my hormone issues weren't hormone issues. Right. The female body will steal feminine hormones and convert them into adrenaline. And so I was like, oh, I have to go a layer deeper. I have to handle that. Two days into drinking this, and I just made it myself. I ordered the herbs bulk. Yeah. All my adrenal fatigue symptoms were gone. Two fucking days. But if you went to a quote standard or western doctor what would happen to you the medications i would be on right and just there's bark from a dead (laughs) tree i can drink yeah it's wild i'm glad you're having good luck with the tinctures i'm and it's funny a part of me when this was going on i swear to god i was like no can't be 
like yeah. just said skepticism like no 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 it's placebo effect da, 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 da. and i ran some little obviously anecdotal experiments with myself i'm like now it's the fucking tea the yeah. tea yeah it's crazy but that's the thing too i mean when you bring in that whole idea of like the feminine right and of course we're talking about earth now like literally like the greatest feminine of all right and earth is what has helped so many of us to heal and having an understanding of that like i can't even imagine all that you have in your consciousness around herbs and to listen just to even think about it makes me want to run away i don't have the patience or the capacity for all you must know like just looking at the bottles behind you i'm like thank god you exist because i could never no really truly you know but to be in that kind of relationship to understand how healing earth can be for our bodies like that is such a gift well it's funny you say that about the flower essence bottles behind me because I have a coaching client right now and I'll be vague because I didn't really ask her permission to share this but we've just stumbled on she's got a true gift for knowledge of all things earth and herbal like like blows me out of goddamn water yeah and I had the exact thought that you you just said where I was like I got excited selfishly as a potential (laughs) client patient of this person yeah who studied like medieval herbalism and how um, Western sort of medicine came to be and how it started choking out all the midwives and hedge witches in Europe. Yeah. And she like did a thesis on this. And so yeah. now that we're getting into the woo work, it's emerging. And I was like, oh, you're going to be like the Superman of this shit. Mm-hmm. You're going to change the game. And to that end, you know, and this is this is a good segue I want to get your thoughts on as well. I said to her in that moment, because she's super rational, overeducated, by the way, like very cerebral and logical. But what we're dealing with now is almost a spontaneous rediscovery of things that have always been here that yes. always worked. And my hope for this age of Aquarius, but also the wood dragon year, and I this is what I said to her on our, our check-in, I am thinking and hoping that the two hemispheres of our collective brain come together for the first time in a very long time, where yeah. it's not trust the science trademark, nor is it there's no such thing as germs and all you have to do is wrap yourself in white right. light. Like both extremes of that, yeah. it's equally nuts, yes. right? <laughs> but when we can bring things together and go, oh, that might work because of this or this old folk remedy, there's actually, those are adaptogens and right. what adaptogens do. What are your thoughts on that? Have you been contemplating that? Has that been influencing your practice at all? Yeah, well, it always has. The thing about it with me is I'm always skeptical. No, I really am, truly. But it's that yeah. thing of no matter which side of the fence, whether it's science or from the realm or the umbrella of spirituality, there's a lot of talk in absolute. And I'm like, but nothing's absolute. So like, why don't you just be open enough and curious enough to say this aspect or what we think we know now is very interesting but just stay curious enough to want to explore deeper and go deeper and see how this interacts to, with this or how things with what science is proving now, how it points to spirituality. But then go in that bucket to understand what science can't quite put its finger on or uncover. I think there's a beautiful weaving between the two that would help us make discoveries and have understanding that would be mind-blowing. But it's just both ends of the spectrum can be so just isolating from each other and not wanting to touch or claim that the other may have any um, legitimacy. So yeah, it just is to our detriment, I think. 
but there is a a lot of beauty in when we can see that they're really not separate from each other in the first place. It's just us allowing ourselves to recognize, well, where's the connection and where is one proving the other right and where is one showing what the other one is hiding. And yeah, I wish we would all, although, you know, it's happening. Some people are. It's happening. It's happening. But, you know, to be an innovative free thinker, thinking outside the box in this world, politically, spiritually, medically, man, that mom's going to come for you right. more than ever. And I, that's why I'm so happy and dragging your here because you already started to see it, like at press conference and stuff. People are going, hey, why don't you go fuck yourself? Yeah. How about that? I don't tell people what to think or feel because that group think is uh, it, it is closing us off from possibilities, yeah. handicapping us intellectually, metaphysically. <laughs> it's not it hasn't been good for us. It's funny you say this because, you know, it's Aquarius season now, right? And everyone always puts the label of like Aquarius is the humanitarian and, you know, group think get outside the box. It's for the collective. And I'm like, yeah, but what is that Aquarian thinking? That's the thing. I mean, like, yes, it's a lovely kind of a generalized idea. But if you put 10 Aquarians in the room, all 10 are going to be very strong willed about what they Thank think. God should be right and should be done. So that's not, it's an, um, I've never seen Aquarians or Aquarian energy. I think it ultimately benefits the collective because I think individual innovation benefits the collective. Yeah. But it's like the opposite of building consensus. Uh Um, And as someone, you know, I don't know if I ever shared this with you. When I was in corporate, what I did was innovation work. And so I read books on it and studied it and designed like a global innovation program. Like yeah. what is the difference between just an idea and an innovation? What's our criteria? We had awards for like certain types of innovation. Wow. And one thing every author who's, by the way, very successful, like Peter Thiel, who co-founded PayPal with Elon Musk, wrote a book on innovation called Zero to One, which is brilliant. All of them agree, you never go into a room with a group of people to innovate. That's where innovation goes to die. Mm-hmm. And what's funny about that is you go, yeah, but the group, and it's like, yeah, but the group benefits from the weirdo who goes out into the borderlands, <laughs> <laughs> who's in exile, yeah. seeing things the collective doesn't see, and he comes back to the tribe. Right. That's kind of how it works is this pollinating. Yeah. But even you describing it that way, it makes me even more, you know, curious about how things are going to continue to unfold this year. Because it has been like if you just put like a marker, put a pin in like the end of 2019 until where we are now and just look at the way things have been moving and um, dog years too. I yeah. think so much. Oh, honey. <laughs> but really, truly, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. And then obviously with all the talk about Pluto and Aquarius. But anyway, in other news, it'll be interesting to be a part. And that's what I think of, too. Like if you do have that belief of like on a soul level, we chose to be here at this time. I always try to keep that in view too. Like, okay, well, if I wanted to be here while all of this madness is going on, I need to be curious about it and be more reflective about like, well, what am I doing? What is it stirring up for me? How is this a benefit to my life? And what is it that I can do to be supportive and give back? Yeah, and you know, I don't think a lot of people expect all the dogma that comes with Reiki or shamanism or, you know, all these different people filled with a lot of certainty that tell you how things are supposed to be, how to do it right. 
and you and I talked about this a little bit. It's it's in my opinion when I've witnessed it the most pronounced or maybe the most unexpected in Reiki. Yeah. But I think I mentioned to you in Chicago there was a small group that we sort of referred to as the Reiki Nazis. Mind you, I'm Reiki certified. Everyone yeah. who joined me in this pejorative was Reiki a Reiki practitioner. But they would try to get into other people's businesses and practices and manage what they were doing. And it was like this purity test thing. Can you talk about that a little bit and how you approach Reiki, where you think the benefits of it are? And just give a little advice for people who are Reiki curious. Yeah. So, oh, God, so many things coming up. Yeah. But so, yes, one thing I would say, I think with any system within, again, the umbrella of spirituality, I think there's an idea or an assumption just that if something is within the spiritual context, that means that it's open and it's free and it's open minded and you know, there isn't the rigidity of like religion and those structures. But the truth is, we still have the human component. And I think we find some comfort in rightness. Like we want to be the ones who are right. And we want to be the ones who are enlightened and but special and all of these things. And so even though there's, well, quite frankly, I mean, the practices are trying to bring us out of that type of thinking and out of that type of consciousness, you will still find um, different communities within the community that are very much tied to we're the ones that are right or we're the ones that whatever, the best version of. And so, you know, then you get that hint of religion and, you know, conflict within, oh uh, yeah. So that has happened. However, thankfully, because it's not regulated, um, people do still have the freedom to practice how they want. You can believe what you want. You can share what you want. I like that we have those freedoms. But I think anyone curious or even anyone still in it, one of the biggest things is you have to still use your own discernment. It doesn't matter if someone is a Reiki master, how long they've been practicing. It doesn't matter even for yourself, how many books you have read how many classes you've gone to, don't ever think you know it all and be very weary of yourself or anyone else if they tell you that what they are telling you is the absolute. Like that right there for me is a red flag. Anytime I can tell, even subtly, you're trying to hint to me that your way is the only way, it's the only right way and everybody else out there, well, that's some crap. Whoa, mm -mm. that is like one of the biggest red flags for me. So for me personally, and what I always advise everyone I work with to do is just be curious enough to want to study one with more than one teacher, read more than one book. Yeah. Don't go from just one lens and really check in with yourself, like what makes sense to you and what doesn't and what resonates with you and what doesn't. And if you weren't stuck on being right, then what is it that you're really trying to achieve, accomplish or understand? Yeah, and all that that's even going to keep changing as you go deeper into whatever it is that you study. It's funny, too, because uh, we you know, I joke, right, Reiki Nazi, it's a funny term, but there's actually a little bit of like literal truth in it to me because there's a personality type of the the spiritual, uh, the spiritual rigid uh, priest, the high priest or priestess. Right. And there's a book about Nazis called Ordinary Men. It's very dark, but I highly recommend it about how just ordinary people became what they became in that. Right. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's like these little increments. And what I've learned with re this red flag space is 
I look for certain attributes of a personality type, mm-hmm. not a modality, not a geographic location, like none of those things matter, but someone who's getting into, as, as let's just say they're a pure Reiki practitioner. Yeah. Um, a lot with judgment. They're judgmental about your diet, your profession, your relationships, you know, even the way you conduct yourself when you come in. Like there's a lot of unsolicited advice that go outside of their scope. And there's a sense of they like their power. They like the little bit of power they have over you. And that's always concerning because they're never going to say, by the way, I enjoy having power over you right Right, now in this moment. It's never going to come out that way. But it'll be like, oh, yeah, no, you got to stop eating meat. Uh, Here's why. It's very low vibration. And, you know, I've heard so many things over the years that I'm like, if I listen to everything, I'd be dead from starvation. Yeah. Because everything's bad according to somebody. And have you seen the Love Has One documentary on HBO? Okay, first of all, that's literally what I just wrote down. Not just that one. I did see that one. But also there was another one about some other people with like um, Twin Flames or something. But all of these. Oh, yeah. Twin Flame Universe is very disturbing. I saw. So I've seen both. But the thing that's, you know, interesting is, and I will say I've seen this in every grouping right so i've seen it within the reiki community the shaman community the tarot community and you name it there's always going to be the potential because like you say it's really based on personality and we have a ton but because of the popularity of spirituality and because of the nature of social media and how you can like gain a lot of likes or traction because this topic just it happens to be popular at this time And so you get a lot of um, what's being shared or what's being projected back out is not necessarily people who are practicing and applying as much as it just may be. It's kind of interesting to them. But again, it's like it's trending. So it'll get me a lot of likes or a lot of views. And these. so there's just a lot that needs to be filtered. Right. So this is why, again, I say it's important to use your discernment, but also I think you have to check in with yourself and feel like or acknowledge what are you trying to accomplish or is there a void that you're trying to fill? Do you know what I mean? Because when I watched those documentaries, yes, what is your intention for this? Because that was terrible the way that the facilitators treated the people of their community, but it was heartbreaking that these people just wanted a sense of community, you know, and that a lot of them just just wanted direction or wanted to feel again like they were right or on the right path or with the right teacher you have got to check in with yourself and see what is my state of mind what am I seeking and can I make sure that I don't give myself over to someone else to run my life no matter what you're going to study and by the way um personal agency yeah and accountability is really hard and it's scary and it's lonely and that's right. called life right yeah and i think a lot of people just they think oh i must be doing it wrong because i feel this dread or i feel really stressed out or i feel the burden of like needing to be an adult in these situations yeah. and oh and this person on on the internet with two hundred thousand followers they say they have the answer oh my god and that relief that comes from outsourcing your thinking your self-care your emotional processing like just outsourcing that being like, oh, someone else can just do that for me. And all I have to do is pay them some money. Right. And I just wrote about that with the Leo full moon. I, I titled that Substack article Sovereignty. 
Because mm-hmm. to me, this Leo full moon with everything else around it in this season is about stepping into your personal sovereignty. Yeah. And, you know, I quoted a comic book because that's how fancy I am. That's how overeducated I am. But Peter Parker's Uncle Pete, do, do you remember in Spider-Man? No. His uncle says, with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, it's yes. one of those things that everybody says, but it's, it's actually profound because it's like the the price for kind of being in charge and, and making your own decisions intentionally and leading the life you want to lead is it is on you now. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of those people like the diffusion of responsibility. Yes. And that if it goes sideways, some part of them subconsciously, energetically knows they can blame somebody else. Right. Yeah, no, that yeah. makes all of the sense. But even to your point of what you said, it reminds me of that's exactly why I think people should just be honest. I know it sounds mm-hmm. easier said than done, but really, truly, because nine times out of 10, if there's something you're going through that you're struggling with that you can't figure out that you may be ashamed of, believe me, there's 10,000 other people who feel the same way. And I mean, to that point, that's why I started the podcast, because back then, There was nothing online. Well, there were no podcasts, but there was nothing online that I saw about Reiki that didn't say anything outside of like sunshine and rainbows. Meanwhile, I'm over here by myself, like having a tower moment, like, oh, my God, what's happening to my life? What's happening to me? Right. So I was like, I have to put something out here and just share what this experience is in case anyone else is going through the same thing. And there was a part of me that knew this had to be part of my healing. So I understood like there was nothing wrong with what was happening to me. But I was just like, why didn't anybody tell me this is going to happen to me? Right. So I wanted to make sure that this started to be discussed so that people wouldn't shy away from the uncomfortable part or think they were doing something wrong because the real healing started taking place. And by the way, what a great example of how to be successful without really trying. And I think some people feign like this fake vulnerability or they do, you know, the crying on Instagram thing about current events or whatever. But there's a real vulnerability that you've demonstrated where you opened it up and you said, I don't have all the answers. Here's what's going on. Let's talk about it. Like it became an organic, legitimate conversation. And that I think is a large part of why it's been so long lasting, successful, worked for you. And one of the things I want to see more in the community is, are those deeper, legitimate conversations? And also as a shaman, acknowledging there are always going to be mysteries, right? I'm not omnipotent. Yeah. I'm not going to have all the answers. The deeper you get into the work, the more questions there are. And some things about life, like some aspects of death or the unknown, those are, those are always going to be mysterious. Yes. You're never going to sort all that out and being okay with that. Yeah. Right. Well, Rachel, look, if there wasn't any mystery, I would probably be bored, to be honest. I mean, part of my interest in what has kept me in this work is, yeah, I've changed a lot. But I mean, as we've discussed, it has not been the most comfortable. I mean, there have been some incredible parts to this. I mean, I'm not saying it's all hor- There are some incredible things that you can't even articulate to anyone else. You wouldn't even be able to explain the level in which like you recognize yourself, how you know yourself and how things are changed. It's beautiful and it's incredible. But the knowing that I'm never really going to know fully is what keeps me engaged. I like the fact that like what I think I know now as like, ooh, as exciting as it may seem, 
tomorrow I may recognize or realize something totally different that's going to blow my mind. So I, that's one of my favorite parts of this is my mind keeps being blown. And you can do that and enjoy it because you don't view your ideas as yourself. No. So if your ideas go up in smoke, right. watch it and you're excited by that. You yeah. don't have that ideological attachment to ideas as though they are they are you. Yeah. And I think that's a big problem in our world is things have gotten very tribal. I sort of viewed all of that, though, the last three years now as the last gasp of that kind of bullshit for at least a very long time. And it's like, you know, I'm going to quote someone that I know is going to irritate people, but he's a brilliant Jungian psychologist, Jordan Peterson, said, you have to let your bad ideas die so you don't have to, so you don't die. Yes. yes. Either your bad ideas, your faulty assumptions, your myths die. Things like, oh, that spider in the backyard is not going to hurt me, or you die. Yeah. Like letting paradigms just go go up in flame and watching them with joy you're making me think it would be fun maybe we'll do one day but to have there should be some sort of retreat or something that can help people prepare for the possibility of going into any of this realm or any level of this self-exploration so whether it's reiki or shamanism or whatever calls to you just having some foundation of understanding the potential of what it is you will encounter and what it really means to do yeah. this work and like the highs and the lows and the discomforts, yeah. like all the things. So you don't go into it blindly, but you also then really make that conscious choice of like, is this really what I want to do? Again, like checking in with yourself around what is my reason? What is my motivation? What am I hoping to get out of this? And if it's just a friend, I mean, and I say that like very seriously, like sometimes people just are seeking connection, but what does that even look like to you? And you, you know what I mean? So I yeah, we should do this. I think we just designed an online workshop, like yeah. what to expect when you're <laughs> expecting spiritual growth. Yes. <laughs> like, but it's funny because one of the things that you said, discomforts that nobody talks about, and it's very specific to Reiki or shamanic energy work is diarrhea. No one talks about it. <laughs> Everyone I know, their first indoor second attunements in Reiki, or if they go and get real shamanic energy work, mm -hmm. good luck. You're going to have some digestive problems. You might have a rash. Did you find, too, like before one of your attunements when you were receiving it, that you almost didn't show up because you were so sick and you called the teacher and they say, no, everybody throws up and basically shits themselves right before they get here and afterwards. That is so funny. I honestly, I don't remember. It was so long ago. But the reason this is hysterical to me is because I have a friend who is, um, she identifies as a witch. And mm -hmm. I remember there was one time I was going through something and she was telling me like, you know, you always have to be careful about your projections, even your mental projections against someone. I was having tension with someone and she was like, but you'll know when it passes because you will take the biggest shit. And that's when you know it's totally moved through you. And I was like, ah, oh, good to know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Yoda. I know, but it's it's funny because people, you know, to your point, like they're like, oh, Reiki and Reiki feels good. And it's like, yeah, it feels good, but it's it's a high vibration, a yeah. high vibration energy that you're you're about to receive in your physical container. And you may have some low vibration stuff in there. And, you know, I had a client the other day in person energy work and 
I told her what I was working on. I said, heads up, you know, you might have some physical releases, right? She looked at me and she goes, my stomach already hurts. Like she knew exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. And I said, I'm sorry. It's not sickness, meaning like you're not, you don't have disease or right. anything, but you know, things are going to get moving. Yeah. Um, and it's a very shamanic thing to take energy and convert it into something physical so that the physical thing can be expelled. Like Russian... Uh, shamans in siberia which by the way they get hunted down in china and russia shamans are like illegal persons in in large parts of the world they'll suck quote unquote the cancer out of somebody and spit it out as black goo and they like to be in a room separate from the client they wear those cool coins or you know the masks obscuring their their sight and all that i think people think it's like this nice thing when you come in and there's some palo santo yeah you know they're wearing a cool scarf and it's like you know, I just interviewed someone the other day. She's amazing. She just started her spiritual journey. By the way, you would love her. Her name's Natalie. And I found her because she read a poem online, which is so not my style, but it's called Spirituality is Not an Aesthetic. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nitty nitty gritty. Well, so before we uh, pull a tarot card from the Totem Tarot deck, you know, in order to comply with our sponsors' demands, yes. the last thing I want to do is get on her shitless you know what i mean <laughs> anything else you want to leave people with just in terms of like if they're curious they're searching whether it's reiki or anything else what you would have said to maybe yourself back in the day to yeah. help guide them along well, their you, journey what you just said brings up a really good point i think is you know in all of this work i think one of the most important factors is it brings you into relationship with yourself and sometimes you can't look outside of yourself for the answers around that, like in terms of what your body, how your body is talking to you and how your personal experience is going to be around now letting stuff move and acclimating to uh, higher frequencies and, and, and again, I think this foundation course may really be a thing because I think there are just so many components to what we decide we're going to show up for what we're going to do people say like i want to be in higher frequency but what what is the effect of that because you really are like you're going to have to acclimate to that mentally emotionally physically yeah. and those transformations you know I you're making me think honest <laughs> yeah i saw a um i saw that's brilliant deceptively deep by the way i saw an interview with the navy seal and he said, someone said to him, I want what you have. Like, I want your grit. I want all these internal character attributes yeah. that you have and these strengths and all this stuff. And the guy was like mad about it. He was talking to someone else. And he goes, yeah, you want those things, but you don't want the 40 years of pain, hardship, learning lessons the very hardest way, the, right. just the bullshit that gave me those attributes. Yes. Like... You want, in other words, like you kind of want my job or my role, but you don't want my life. Yeah. And that's why I always tell people, you be careful when you look at someone and think like, I wish I had their life because you don't know what it took to get there. And not only that, you don't know what they're still dealing with beneath the surface. Listen, my biggest uh, suggestion for all of us always is be concerned with you. Kind of that whole know thyself, master thyself, become thy true self. I mean, that's that's the recipe and it's going to take work. And if you're curious, be sincerely curious and be willing for what it is you're actually signing up for. 
Yes, indeed. And so, Yolanda, we're going to link to all your stuff in the show notes, your wonderful Oracle deck, your podcast, everything else. So um, everyone will know where to find you, where to find you on Instagram, how to listen to your great interviews. Um, I love this. The Two of Moons card, the Two of Cubs. Ah, it's all about mutually symbiotic synergies and coming together partnerships where um, everybody shores up each other's weaknesses and benefits from each other's strength. Yeah, And it's funny because everyone thinks the Two of Cups card is a falling in love card, and it is, but it's also a finding individuals with which you can work where it's additive Yeah, and everybody learns and everybody gets enhanced. I think people sometimes focus too much on big groups. Mm-hmm. You know, I interviewed Susan Doan. She's a Nexium cult survivor, whistleblower, fought the Bronfman sisters in court representing herself. I mean, she's a true American hero. Shout out to Susan Doan. But she, that episode's called I Prefer the Pod, meaning like she's done with big groups, with missions, and they want to change the world. She just wants to find individuals. Yeah. She gets to meet that she enjoys their company and it's additive. Beyond that, she's not, she's not doing big groups anymore. Yeah. I love the symbolism even on your card. I think it speaks more to, yeah. And then even on the traditional, like on the Rider Waite Smith, how there's the, um, not just the caduceus, but it has the, you know, the symbol for medicine, but it has the lion head at the top. Yeah. 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 It points to, again, exactly what you said, but the symbolism in your deck, I think really um, speaks to that really beautifully as well. Beyond just like yeah, leather. I think a lot of people in our space, the world of woo, new age stuff, they look at social media and they want to gain followers and they want to scale up and get visibility and all this stuff. But what really benefits you as someone who's been at this a long time and so have you, one-on-one relationships and they can't be transactional because real spiritual people can feel that. We don't like that. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. And getting to know someone and also showing up for them when it's not about a thing or a give-get like investing in human beings on an individual level pays dividends yeah it really does yeah Yeah, i I think people just think they don't have the time for that or they don't have to do that and it's like wait until you have a tower card month or year you know it's funny you say that i was just saying to someone before i love time period shows movies anything right and then a history channel like i'm i'm there all day i'm on anything that has to do with that but on the time period movies, I'm always so fascinated because obviously they didn't have electronics and TV and social media, all these things. So everyone just sat around having tea and like, you know, reading books and having these incredible conversations. I'm like, can you imagine, though, if we took that kind of space and time to say, like, devices off, let's just have intimate conversations and again, go back to being curious and exploring ideas, what that would do to us individually but also as a society, like I, I just, I miss those days that I wasn't even in for that. <laughs> I just want to, I, I do too. And I also think people don't evaluate what they're getting out of social media. They don't really objectively look at it. Like, am I, am I using this for my business? Am I being intentional? Do I go on there and do my thing and get off? Or have I started to buy products from ads on Instagram and I, I, you know, when I had a meditation center in Chicago, we would, everybody turn the phones off, leave them in the other room. We'd come into the meditation room. There was no 
wireless in that space. And people go, God, it feels so good here. I'm like, because you're not getting, your brain's not getting microwave, number one. But number two, like if something is free, you're the product. That's how our current system is structured. And this idea of like you're mastering it and it's not mastering you. There's very old stories like Faust, Gerda wrote about, you know, an alchemist who thinks he's learning the secret to eternal life from a demon. It's like, man, that demon's got you (laughs) You're not the one who's going to win this little back and forth. It's the other guys. So it's a good lesson. And I do think one-on-one relationships, they, they can save us. I'm not convinced of that. And the dragon might be less bullshit. Why you and I probably love podcasting because it gives us that space where we get to really, you know, dialogue with one person, enjoy the back and forth. And then, of course, we can share it and community can, you know, be there part of the discussion as well. But there really is something I love about that. And you're absolutely right. And yeah, now just saying that, like, I hope you keep going. (laughs) going. Well, thank you. And you too. podcast. Thank you. I think podcasting has upended everything we've been told about humanity right now. They don't have attention spans. It's right. got to be this, you know, almost PowerPoint slide, three bullet points thing, and then you, you got to go. And it's like people will sit and listen to other human beings four and a half hours. How do I know that? Because I do it. Bonded with flower essences, working in the garden. I'm exactly that person on the spectrum that will listen to you. And I like the depth of it. I like the feeling of landing the goddamn plane. Like yeah. getting somewhere for a yes. change. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank you for Reiki Radio. It's really good. Everybody follow Yolanda. Look in the show notes for links. And is there anything else you want to say on the, on your birthday? A birthday ah, message? Yes. <laughs> Actually, I would say go to Reiki Radio and listen to the episode where I got the chance to interview you because I really, really, truly loved that conversation. Um, but yeah, if you want to know more about the podcast, you can follow at Reiki Radio on Instagram. But honestly, I really am not that active on social media. So um, download my app. I'm more active there or go to my website and look up whatever the offerings are. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Here at the Skeptical Showman podcast, we have a few sponsors that make all of these incredible conversations and discussions possible. Please take a moment to listen to a word from our sponsors. Are you feeling disconnected from magic? Do you find yourself staring out the window in your nondescript workplace wishing you were among the trees in the sunlight? Are you being slowly drained by your office energy vampire? You know the one. They won't stop talking about how her cat is at the vet for the third time this month. Is the disembodied hand you purchased from a traveler acting up at night, opening drawers in your bedside table, and disrupting your circadian rhythms? Well totem flower essences might be right for you. Purchase totem flower essences on Etsy, and one drop of these magical potions can alchemically transmute your energy body, arming you with unmitigated powers of sorcery. Totem flower essences be ungovernable. Totem flower essences are handmade by an emotionally unstable and morally dubious shaman, potentially injecting your life with raw chaos and magic in the attention of various pagan gods. Use responsibly.